Hello, welcome to the Other Side Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Pickney, and I got my man Anthony Ortiz on. Anthony, what's going on? Oh, not too bad, man. Cold here in uh, Northern Virginia uh, this morning, like 35 degrees outside. Winter, winter hit us fast. Yeah, absolutely. It's cold here in Georgia too, man. So look, we're gonna do our sports whip around. We talked about it, and uh, let's just go at it, man. Let me know where you want to start first. All right, so obviously we've really only been doing the NFL kind of Cowboys for the last few weeks uh, with, you know, obviously the big big kickoff. So kind of want to start in the NBA because I didn't really get a chance to unleash on my Clippers uh, about, you know, three weeks ago. So that's kind of where I, I want to start. A lot of news coming out of the NBA. So uh, before we hit to your Lakers, I just want to kind of talk about my Clippers for a few, and then you can kind of piggyback and have some little joy on this talk since we really didn't get to have a chance to talk about it. Um, so, so yeah, we didn't even get the uh, Western Conference battle in the NBA that me and you've been talking about, looking forward to all year. I felt like we were robbed of it, to be honest, man. We were talking about the Clippers-Lakers in that Western Conference Finals all year. But bottom line is the Clippers just didn't get the job done. Uh, you know, they had a 3-1 lead on Denver, and they led by double digits on every game after that, 5-6-7. and seven. And frankly, they just choked. Uh, game 6, especially, they were up by like 20 points in the third quarter. I turned it on and, and was like, oh, man, th- that was week one of the NFL season. I turned it on, saw they were up by 20, was kind of watching Washington uh, football uh, against Philly week one, didn't really think much of it. And then I turned it on, I'm only up by four, and then I watched the rest of the game and just watch us absolutely melt down and end up losing that game by plus 10. So um, to one, I'll give Denver credit before I, you know, really kill my Clippers team. Um, Denver has a really good squad. Uh, Jamal Murray and, and, and Jokic are going to be stars. They're, they're already almost there, but I think, you know, a year or two away, those guys are really going to be a problem. The Nuggets team, uh, Michael Porter Jr., I think is another guy that's going to be a star here in the future. He just didn't shy away from the big shot. And even in the Lakers series, there were at times where Michael Porter Jr. played really, really well uh, in the finals once they got to the Lakers. So, you know, get kudos to those guys. Um, but, man, the Clippers, they just – Kawhi did not play good in five, six, or seven, especially down the stretch. He had his, – his shot was off. I've been praising Kawhi for having that just awesome mid-range jumper that just he never misses, it seems like. Well, he missed it plenty in game five, six, and seven, especially in the fourth quarter. There were times in the fourth quarter where he was scoring – you know, two points for a whole game in the fourth quarter, and that's just unacceptable. Um, and then Paul George, man, he just I, – I tell people this all the time. I, you know, when I woke up and I saw the news that Kawhi signed with the Clippers back in the back in the summer, I guess it was, and then I saw next to it that Paul George was coming too. I was so excited when I saw Kawhi come into the Clippers as a lifetime Clippers fan. And then when I saw Paul George's name, I was like, eh. I can take that or leave that because that's just kind of the player Paul George was. And this was really no exception throughout this entire playoffs. He was hot and cold, but I thought at times we force fed Paul George the ball because he was number two superstar. Um, and, 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 
you know, the bottom line too is that Lou and Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell just didn't play up to their standards at all in the bubble. Seemed like they were disengaged and just had other things in their mind. You know, I know Montrez lost his grandma, but he, he missed like 33 days in the bubble, uh, you know, for that death in the family. Just didn't seem like they really wanted it. So ultimately, the big news that came out this week was it cost Dak Rivers his job. Uh, you know, Steve Ballmer is not going to put up with any kind of mediocrity. He wants to win. He's a billionaire he's used to winning and you know he fired doc rivers this week uh now doc wasn't free agent for long just got signed by the 76ers pretty quick after but you know right now the clippers are at a you know they have a coaching position open i'm very interested to see how that's going to go but i kind of let you piggyback off of that and talk about you know the clippers collapsed before we kind of talk about who potentially could coach that team in the future yeah man i um I was shocked. You know, I, I had been afraid of Kawhi. I told you that from jump one. Um, but I can I, – I, here's the thing, man, and, I, and, and I'm going to go at it with a different angle. Um, you know, Doc – I felt Doc deserved to be fired. But here, here, here's what's being debated behind the scenes, dude. Um, they're trying to figure if they need – believe it or not, you're going to be shocked when I say this. They're trying to figure if they should move off Kawhi. And here's the reason why. Remember last year in the uh, as the playoffs got longer and longer and longer, Kawhi started to fade due to his knee. Yes, he started having trouble with his knee again in that uh, in that uh, Denver series, which caused his fourth quarters to get pro- progressively worse, progressively worse. And to be honest with you, he had no lift towards the end of that game. And so what's being debated now is the medical doesn't look good for him, man. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. And now they're trying to figure out what they need to do with Kawhi because of the fact that they don't think his body can withstand because it seems like Bomber's going to be out on a load management deal. He, didn't, he, had, he had a problem with it to begin with, but because he thought he could get a championship, um, he was willing to kind of acquiesce and let Doc and them and them do that. So the biggest thing that's being debated behind the scene now is Kawhi and what you do with him because of the fact that it's not going to get any better, man. So so that's the most concerning thing about the Clippers. Think about all they gave up for Kawhi and Paul George. And believe it or not, remember how everybody was saying the Lakers needed to win this championship or else they won't have nothing. I, if you look at it now, the Clippers' future and the Lakers' future is in totally different directions. So I, I feel sorry for the Clipper fans. I really do, man. Yeah, I, Kawhi's medical is always going to be kind of the question mark. But I think going forward, you almost have to stick with Kawhi. Um, you got to do the load management. I know Ballmer doesn't like it because he's trying to sell tickets, and I get that. It's a business. But I think you've got to roll with Kawhi. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think one of the big issues internally from what I was kind of reading uh, was, you know, I didn't even know this because I don't try to get in too much of the drama with the NBA, but I guess Paul George at one time maybe dated Doc Rivers' daughter, was engaged to her, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And then I guess he maybe cheated on her with like a hooker is what I was reading. I don't know if that's yep, true or yep, not, yep. but that's, no, pretty, you're right. that's what I'm hearing. So I think Doc Rivers kind of always had an issue coaching Paul George. And, and to be honest, like I say, man, I'm not a huge Paul George fan. Like uh, right now, if you said, 
you got to keep one. You either got to keep Lou or Paul George. I'm probably keeping Lou over Paul George. That's just the way I feel about it. I've seen Lou come up big in big games too many times, and I've seen Paul George come up small in big games too many times. But ultimately, I think whoever the coach is, I believe the coach is going to be Tyron Lou. I'll just say that right now. I believe Ty Lou is going to be the coach of that team. Uh, I don't particularly like the decision of Ty Lou. Um, I would rather see them go in the direction of trying to get a big name veteran coach like a Greg Popovich or even, uh, you know, Jeff Van Gundy's been rumored as well. I would rather see either of those versus Ty Lue. I just think that it's kind of like the Cowboys situation with Kellen Moore and Jason Garrett that we talked about. Like, I think they really need to get rid of the Doc. Doc Rivers is in the Clippers for eight years, did a good job, but obviously it didn't work last year. They had a lot of internal issues with whether it was, you know, Lou in the strip club or Montrezl Harrell and his playing time earlier in the year, or whether the team wanted to be in the bubble all in all, just, you know, didn't even want to be in the bubble. So I really think they need to blow the coaching staff up and just start over. So obviously Greg Popovich would be my number one choice. I think he's a phenomenal coach, um, but I would be okay with Jeff Van Gundy as well. He's been out of the league for a while. He's been analyst now, and he kind of has that Steve Kerr a little bit into it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I wish Doc the best. I think Doc's a great fit for the Sixers. This was kind of debated on the debate shows yesterday. I really believe Doc Rivers is going to get everything out of that Sixers organization. I think he can help Ben Simmons develop. I make Joel Embiid's mind open up and say, look, dude, you got to take conditioning seriously because this weight that you're playing, that's not going to last. For Doc Rivers, the first thing I thought about was, you know, Tobias Harris, when he was on the Clippers with Doc Rivers, was like a 25-point guy. That's what he averaged with Doc and the Clippers. And when he went to the Sixers, he was never that guy again. So I would look for Tobias Harris to be another 25-point guy with Doc there because, you know, that's what he's done before. So I think that's a great fit. Sorry for that it cost Doc his job, but it was warranted. But happy that Doc's got another chance, and I think he'll turn that Sixers organization around. Yeah, me too. I think so. I think, and ultimately, uh, one more thing before we get off this subject and go to something else. For the Clippers, I think they need to build around Kawhi, but I really think they need to get some guys like they had in Toronto where, um, you know, guys know their role. They're, they're not, they're not, because I just feel like Pat Bev and all those guys, they weren't on the same page. For whatever reason, they thought they were stars. They're role players, and they need to be like role players. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, agree. Uh, agree. I mean, we're. I want to talk about the Lakers next, and that's the one thing you can tell is the the all the guys on the Lakers know what their roles are, and the Clippers that definitely is not defined. And and ultimately, I don't expect Montrezl Harrell to be back in the Clippers. I think he's going to get a nice contract from somewhere else. God bless him. He's going to get mon- get paid. Go take your money. I think he'll go somewhere else. I don't expect Lou Williams to be back. I think this. Thing with the strip club joint I think it just left a bad taste in guys like Jerry West and Lawrence Frank's mouth and I don't think they're going to allow him to be back either so I think that Clippers team is going to look very different uh this year than it did uh, next year than it did this year and and you know the bottom line is they're going to have to go get a big because uh you know Joker just absolutely just creamed him down the stretch because they just didn't have a big to, to just be able to even do anything with him now Joker's a tough matchup we saw him you know, have some really good nights against AD and, and Dwight Howard as well. So, you know, there's no shame in getting beat by that guy. But Zubac just didn't have the athletic strength to hang with Joker, and Trez was just too small. So 
look for that Clippers team to look quite a bit different next year would, would be my guess. Yeah, and then we can start the battle for L.A. again. <laughs> yeah, well, man, let me tell you, you know, I was telling a friend of mine this. Next year is going to just be off the chain, dude, because, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have the L.A. teams are going to be really good. I expect Golden State to be back next year when they get Steph and Clay and all them healthy. So I think you're going to have the third team in the West that's going to be really good. And then, obviously, Denver ain't going isn't going anywhere. So you're going to have some solid teams in the West that over in the East is just going to be just lit in the East, which was vastly different from this year. Because I expect when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to come back for the Nets that that's, they're going to be the best team in the East. And then you've got Doc with the Sixers. Of course, the Celtics are good. Giannis isn't going anywhere next year is going to be man there's going to be a lot of storylines it's going to be a fun tip off next year oh yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah I'm, I'm excited about uh next year's also too man even even if Kyrie you know doesn't think they need a coach yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I don't know what that was about um so, so let's get to your Lakers man um so I'll be the first one to, to admit I was wrong about your Lakers I I didn't think you guys had a third guy that could step in and be you know that 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 help that ad and lebron needed but every night you guys have it it's just a different form uh some nights it's caruso some nights it's kcp been playing really really well at times down the stretch rajon rondo has been unbelievable he was really good in the game last night he's kind of been been great in spurts as well dwight howard took a game over one night and had almost 15 points so i was wrong about your lakers your lakers are are primed and ready. Um, they have a waltz in this finals. I'm just going to be honest, man. This is like – I can't even watch them play the Heat right now because it's embarrassing. Even if the Heat were fully ready, fully staffed with Bam and Dragic and all of them, it wouldn't matter. It's a mismatch out on the court. Nobody's stopping AD and LeBron. AD and LeBron, I think, are – I think they're, they know they're so much better right now. They're battling with each other to see who's going to win finals MVP because I think LeBron really wants the finals MVP so he can have it on his third team. But right now, I think AD would probably get it. It would be close, but I think AD would probably get it just because of how efficient he was last night if we're only looking at the two, two games. Um, so, yeah, you, you were definitely right. You can be, you know, you'll be enjoying a celebration probably next week because I look for this to be a sweep. But like I say, man, I can't even watch it. It's just, it's like watching a varsity team versus a JV team right now in the finals. Yeah, man, and I kept telling people um, when the Lakers were up 32 uh, in the first game, uh, Dragic and Bam were were not hurt. Yes, you know, so that showed me right there that uh, they really locked in. And yeah, man, so yeah, it, it's definitely going to be uh, a championship for those guys. I really, I, I, I want AD to get the the MVP, and the reason being is because of the fact that. I mean, he's just playing his ass off. I mean, the guy, it, it, you know how you, you go, it's his time? It's his time, man. I mean, every every superstar has that, and it's just his time. And I think I think when it's all said and done, I think LeBron will recognize that. The thing about LeBron is he's got to get that. He's just got to get rings. And I'm going to tell you, man, uh, the Lakers' future looks great because after next year, the only two players they will have um, – on the roster after next year is completed is 80 and LeBron. Every they'll, after that, everything else is wide open. None of those role players um, have any contract commitments to us. 
and they're gonna they're gonna have to figure out what they're gonna do, do with Alex Caruso because he's gonna be sought after after next year. And you know, I don't know uh, about like the white and those guys. They got to figure that out. But I, I feel really good about the Lakers going forward, man. I really do. Yeah, I think that that's one thing that I've been kind of looking at too. Um, I believe the Clippers are going to try to steal at least one of those role players from the Lakers and bring them over to their side. <laughs> that, that seems to be what the Clippers always do. They love grabbing like former Laker players. Um, so I don't know who it's going to be yet. Uh, I, I I wouldn't be shocked if it was Rondo, to be honest. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Rondo, if they get rid of Lou Williams and Rondo comes in to kind of run the second team. Um, but, yeah, the Lakers, man, they to me, they have to keep Caruso. I love Caruso's energy and just everything that he brings with him. So he is going to be sought after. You're going to have to pay him a little bit. But I think he's going to be worth the dime. So I, I hope that the Lakers, you know, re-sign Caruso. But, yeah, man, they're in a great, great spot. They just have so many weapons just everywhere. You're definitely right about LeBron. He's just got to win rings. He's just got to stack rings up because he went so long early in his career where he, he didn't win any. So now it's time for him to stack it up. And like I say, man, this year he's got to he's going to get this year's and next, you know, next year's going to be a different ball game because I really believe that that uh, Kevin Durant Kyrie uh, combination is going to be really tough out in the East. And then, like I say, I would never sleep sleep on uh, Steph and Clay. You know, those guys won a championship before they had KD, so they're going to be a tough out as well when they're back and healthy next year. So, yeah, like I say, I just can't even watch the finals though, dude. It's like AD and LeBron look like monsters compared to everybody else. The Heat don't have any big that can check either of those guys, but. You know, the Lakers earned it. They they ousted the Nuggets. The Nuggets were a tough play uh, for them, but they ousted them in, in five games. But, you know, a couple of those games were close. AD's game-winning shot that he had, I think, in what was that, game two or game three, that was unbelievable. So, yeah, this has been AD's time. Not to say anything against LeBron. I love LeBron. I do. I love him as a player. You know, I always for him in the Lakers because I'm a Clippers fan, but I always root for him. Um, but AD's been kind of the MVP of the playoffs for me. He hit the game, big game with a shot against the Nuggets. He's kind of been the double-double machine, so not taking anything away from LeBron, but I do think AD deserves this MVP, finals MVP this year. Yes, sir. Agree, my man. Agree. Hey, man, let's go to NFL. Man, let me ask you, let me ask you how do you feel about the new up-tempo Cowboys. Yeah, I'll tell you, I like the up-tempo Cowboys. It seems like every time we go into up-tempo, good things happen. Uh, every time we, we run that up-tempo, we start driving down the field, and, and ultimately we have drives that end in points. So I'm all for the up-tempo Cowboys. Um, I really think this uh, this is a, a weird year uh, in the NFL, obviously with no fans in the stands. And one thing that I think we're seeing is, is points are being scored a lot more, you know, a lot of these games are more high scoring than they have in previous past. And I think the Cowboys is that sometimes they get committed to trying to run the football because they get criticized so much for not running the ball when they lose that they get in the back of their head like we have to run the football. But I'm telling you, this year with no fans in the stands, easier on the offenses, these offenses are just airing it out. Seattle's been a running base team a lot as well, but they have that let Russ cook, you know, slogan going, and now they are letting Russ cook. He's throwing a party on everybody. So I think Dallas needs to go up tempo and just put the ball 
ball in Dak's hands and let Dak do his thing. Zeke can get his 15 to 20 carries a game, but if it's not working and they get behind or, you know, they don't have a lead, they really need to just let Dak air that sucker out. I have confidence that he can do that. He's got weapons all over the field. And I think, I just think that's kind of held them back a little bit this year. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, because the defense, you know, I was listening to, uh, uh, I was listening to Chris Broussard and a guy named Ethan Salam on the odd couple yesterday. And they were kind of debating back and forth. And they felt like the, the, the Ethan Salam guy was like, you got a running game. But uh, Chris Broussard made a good point. He said he just feels like, Zeke has lost a step, you know, he just felt like Zeke is just, he just doesn't have that. And he gets it, you know, no running back is going to look like they're going to look in their first one to two years. But he said he just does not get the same uh, feeling of fear when Zeke catches, when Zeke gets the ball now. So he feels like uh, the Cowboys should go, should go up tempo. I mean, you got Dak leading the NFL in yards with 1,188 yards. And he's throwing for what three ninety six uh, per game. I mean, it, it it's it, it's his time, man. I just really feel you you use the running game to keep him honest, and just you got those weapons and you use them, man. Yeah, well, and also to piggyback off of what you said about uh, Zeke is the Cowboys' offensive line, especially now, is not what it's been in the past. I mean, you know, in the past, we had obviously Travis Frederick at center. We got Looney there now. Um, Kyle Collins and Tyron Smith have both been beat up. We're starting Connor Williams in guard now. Um, And then, you know, Zach Martin at the other side, obviously. So so this isn't like a, you know, Cowboys dominant offensive line that Zeke's had his first couple years in the league. So running is going to be a little bit harder. Um, I do see that time Zeke does run people over and he does bring that old Zeke back, but you know, he doesn't look like the same guy, but a lot of that could be because he's getting met now one or two yards at the line of scrimmage is where before he was able to go three, four yards and really able to lower his shoulder on a linebacker instead of lineman. So uh, yeah, I think with the Cowboys issues on, on the offensive line, they have to go to a pass first team. Um, now I'll tell you tomorrow, just kind of to tomorrow against the Browns. Um, it's a must-win game for Dallas. Just don't get me wrong. I think they, they have a home against a Brown team that that's good at doing one team, but ultimately Dallas is a much better team than Cleveland is. Cleveland just beat Washington, but the game was pretty close. I watched almost every snap of the game last week, and, uh, you know, Cleveland, to be honest, Dwayne Haskins played like trash. If it wasn't for how bad Dwayne Haskins played, then I don't think the Browns would have even would have would have won that game. Washington looked better on defense and offense, but three picks by Haskins gave Cleveland short fields, and they were able to cash and get touchdowns on it, and that was the the difference in the game. But what what worries me about the Cleveland game tomorrow is Cleveland's got two stud running backs. They got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Now there is some questions on whether Kareem Hunt's going to play. He's questionable. He's got an injury with a groin. But Nick Chubb, even if it's just him, Nick Chubb is a freak, man. And and I'm worried about – I've been worried about our ability to stop the run. Uh, you know, earlier in the year, the Rams really, you know, did a nice job running in game one on us. So I'm a little concerned about how our defense is going to step up stopping the run tomorrow. Um, I think if we do stop the run and it's a shootout and ben Baker tries to shoot out with Dak, I don't think Baker's got any shot of shooting out with Dak. I think we'll win the game handedly. I think Baker will give us at least two picks if it comes into that situation. But it's a muscling game, man. We got Cleveland next tomorrow, and then, you know, they got the Giants, the Cardinals, and I think Washington 
Washington down the stretch, all very winnable games here. So we've really got to start adding some wins together and getting, you know, to that four and two mark. Uh, Philly, Philly looks like just a shell of themselves. So we've really got to put some distance between us and the rest of this NFC least really because the division's terrible. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm concerned about the run defense as well, man. I, I just think that Chubb, you, you're right. He, he's to me, Chubb is the best running back in the NFL right now. I know Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry, his numbers are up there because he just they just keep feeding him the ball. But I think, you know, overall, Chubb is the best running back in the NFL, and I'm just, man, I'm concerned that they're just gonna they're gonna gash us, you know, which is gonna open things up for Baker. But if we can control Chubb, I think we'll be able to contain Baker even with our subpar uh, back in defense. Um, but, yeah, I don't think Baker can, can you know, win a shootout with that. I just – I don't think he's ready to do that. And I still don't think he's on the same page with his wide receivers like Dak is with ours. So, yeah, but it is a must win because right now we're sitting – I mean, we're, you know, we're tied for one and two, but we're still sitting in the second spot in the division. So, uh, yeah, we got to we, we gotta win in order to uh, take advantage of these next, what, four games, like you said, to get the four and two. I personally think Philly's out of it, you know, if you ask me. I think, I think they're out of it. I, I just think there's too much injuries, turmoil going on in that Eagles organization to where I, I just don't think this is the year, you know. But, um, yeah, I, I feel good about us tomorrow, really. I, if we can stop the run. We yeah, can win. definitely. Um, yeah, I kind of wanted to go that direction. You kind of segmented me into the, our, the next little topic I want to do here. So, appreciate that. Uh, I want to kind of talk about the other teams in the NFC East. You know, we've done a lot of Cowboys talk. So, I kind of just want to transition. So, I got a couple questions for you. And um, let's start in Philadelphia. But I want to talk about New York and Washington as well, specifically at the quarterback position. But um, let's go Philadelphia first. Um, man, Philly, they're in shambles right now. I mean, I'm just – what I'm reading coming out of Philadelphia news, um, Carson Wentz is just – he's regressed. There's no other way around it. Um, a lot of guys have made the kind of excuse is what I'll say. Of, well, he doesn't have any help because, you know, Deshaun's out, Jalen Rager's out, Alshon's out. But, you know, I, I blame some of that on the GM there in Philadelphia. I mean, Alshon and Deshaun – Alshon Jeffrey and Sean Jackson have been hurt like every year for the past like five years so when you bring those guys in as your number one and number two receiver you have to know there's a good chance that those guys aren't going to be available uh, week to week I mean we're at week four now and the guys are have barely played um, but Carson Carson Wentz is where I really want to go with this I know he's got injuries I know he's been throwing to a lot of guys who are you know uh, not big name household receivers, but dude, he just looks terrible. I watched a lot of the game last week. I had the Washington Cleveland game on the TV and I had Philadelphia Cincy on, on my phone. Cause I really wanted to see what Joe Burrow was going to look like. Um, but Carson just looked off all game. He just didn't have any rhythm. He was missing high, missing low. He threw another couple of picks that were just terrible to me. It didn't look like a separation issue with the receiver. It looked like a, an issue of, he just, lost his accuracy and he's just making really poor decisions um and, and you know for for the guys that say he doesn't have any weapons 
to me, Zach Ertz right now, you know, you can say Kelsey or, or, or Kittle or whatnot, but to me, I think Zach Ertz is the best tight end in football when it comes to catching the football. If we're just talking about running routes and being a receiving tight end, I think Ertz is the best. So, yeah, he maybe doesn't have anything great outside, but he's got the best tight end in football. And Dallas Goddard's probably, you know, top five, top ten in the league. I mean, Dallas Goddard's turned into a really good addition. So, to me, Wentz has weapons. He's just straight up progressed. He's getting killed in Philadelphia. And I'm be honest, they have a 49ers game tomorrow night. I don't anticipate they're going to win that game. I think they're going to be falling to 0-3-1. And, and if they, if the wheels really start getting off this Philly bus and they're looking at like a, a 2-6-1 and one here at the mid-stretch and Cowboys are, you know, 5-3 and three or something and they're out of reach, then it's going to be Jalen Hurts' time if he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, be careful. And it's going to be, it's interesting times here in Philadelphia. Yeah, I don't – to me, man, I think Carson Wentz. I never – I'll never forget when uh, he was – you know, he was coming out of the draft. And I'll never forget, this was when Mike Mayock was an analyst. Mike Mayock said, you know, does he really love yes. football? You know? I, I, Man, I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm starting to get the feeling that, number one, I heard he hates living in Philly. He, he that, that's that's what I heard. I heard he hates living in the Philly. I mean, he doesn't live in the city per se, but he just doesn't like that whole East Coast vibe. Um, he he's a he's a you know he's one of those uh, yep. uh what, Montana boys, you know. And um, I just don't. I I think either. I think you're right. If they're out of it, they're gonna go to Jalen Hurts because I'm hearing that Jalen Hurts is basically the leader of the team right now, sort of like the Russell Wilson effect when he. You know, when uh, I forgot the quarterback that he's a It was Matt Flynn. It was Matt Flynn. Um, Matt somebody. Yeah, Matt Flynn. Yeah, so that's what I'm hearing about the, the Eagles. And there's just no confidence in Wentz whatsoever. And, you know, we all know the quarterback is the leader of the team. If the team doesn't have any respect or they don't have any confidence in the quarterback, then you're, you're not going to go anywhere anyway, you know? So I just think I think this thing's going to end terrible for the Eagles, and I'm just going to throw it out. I would say going into, and I know I know he he'll be going into what the third year of that contract. I'm just thinking that they would try to execute a trade or something, but I don't see Wentz being for the Eagles. Uh, you you know, after this season. I'm, I'm serious. I, I think they got a part ways. With yeah, if if they if you know the injury bug has always been in the back of their mind with Carson Wentz, but if he stays healthy this year and they just are horrible and win, you know, go four and twelve or five and eleven or something of that nature, I agree. I think you got to part ways, and and if he gets hurt, I think you got to look at parting ways as well because you know this is like the third out of five years that he's been injured. So yeah, I think that right now is a do or die time for Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, but I think he's very well on the teetering of being out of that job. And if Jalen Hurts comes in and plays well, I think that'll even cement uh, his future even more. Hey, I want to talk to you about the other two guys in the East because this has been kind of coming up. And and I, I got some, you know, I live in the Washington football area, so you know I watch a lot of their football games and you know a lot of analysts and all of them talk about them, but. Dude, what do you think about Danny Jones and Dwayne Haskins? Let me give your get your take on those two, and then I kind of piggyback off from what I've seen. Okay, so uh, Dwayne Haskins, 
to me. <laughs> I I just don't. He's got the tools, but I don't think he'll be able to put it all together. I still see an immature guy, you know. Um, I see a guy that kind of front runs for the cameras when things are going well type of guy. I, I just don't – I never – I mean, when you're playing, you know, you're playing for Ohio State, you're going to have receivers wide open. We yep. know that because they got the best talent, right? But I just don't – I just don't see what Nick Wright and Chris Carters and those guys were kind of like stomping the ground for in terms of you got to pick this guy, you got to pick this guy. To me, Haskins is just – he just doesn't do anything for me. He, he brings – to me, has no intangibles in order to – I, I just he just doesn't do anything for me, man. That's how I feel about him. And you, yes, you talk, yep. you're talking about Daniel Jones, right? Danny Dimes. Danny Dimes. Danny Dimes. Let me tell you this, man. If if the Giants are in the running for the number one pick and could possibly get uh Trevor Lawrence or even a Justin Fields, uh Danny Dimes will be Danny <laughs> two cent because he'll be out the door. I'm sorry. I'm serious, man. I mean, the guy was, you know, overdrafted. He did have that. You know, everybody can have a good rookie year now if they don't have any tape on you or anything. But, yeah, he, he, he he's in over his head. Uh, and, and to comp, compound things, he's got one of the worst, I feel, offensive coordinators now than Jason Garrett. And I, I just think that the Giants should actually tank to get a better quarterback. That's just how I feel. I, I have no confidence. Well, I, in shoot, I don't think they're going to have to try to tank. I think it's just going to happen. I mean, that, that team is horrible, man. I, they'll be lucky <laughs> to win three games. Both the New York teams, because I watched Thursday night a little bit too, both New York teams just stink. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Both New York teams will be the – I feel like they'll have the number one and number two overall pick when it comes to draft time because I can't see either of them squads winning more than three games, to be honest. But, yeah, just kind of piggyback up what you said. Dwayne Haskins – you know, there's already some rumblings around Ron here in, in Washington. You know, I read a lot of the local tabloids, and it already sounds like Ron Rivera's kind of told him, look, you've got to play better or else we might be going in a different direction maybe before the end of the year. Um, of course, the backup quarterback's always king, you know, in whatever franchise you're at. But that want Washington to go to Kyle Allen uh, here by week 10 because Kyle Allen had a pretty decent stretch in Carolina last year. And so a lot of, you know, a lot of people want to see what they got in Kyle Allen. Still got Alex Smith kind of waiting in the wings as well. You know, he's on that roster. So I think Haskins, if he doesn't improve, the Washington will go to Kyle Allen and will potentially draft another quarterback next year. And maybe, you know, if Kyle Allen doesn't play well, maybe go Alex Smith to start the year next year, which is crazy to think about after that injury. But Haskins, he's not the guy. He's a one read and throw type of guy. I've been watching him a lot since they're the local team here. You know, he stares the receivers down. All three of the picks he threw last week against Cleveland were terrible. He was just staring his receivers down and just never looked off. And and the linebacker and safety just read him like a book and were able to step in front and intercept the ball. So I think Haskins, you kind of hit the nail on the head, exactly what I was thinking. Uh, I think Haskins benefited from having a great receiver core and great running game at Ohio State. J.K. Dobbins and all the, the talent that he had around him, plus the Terry McLaurin as well. He had talent all around him in Ohio State, and he had wide-open guys in the NFL. He just doesn't have that. Um, also, there's been rumblings here in Washington as well that Haskins cannot really learn the playbook. This is the second year in a row I've heard this, where Haskins is struggling to learn the playbook. I heard as a rookie they would have played him earlier, but he didn't really know the offense. So to me, that sounds 
sometimes to me like he doesn't really take it seriously if he's not getting digging into the X's and O's of the playbook. Um, so Haskins, yeah, I think the Haskins time in, in Washington, I think this will be a very short era. And then just to go to Danny Dimes, yeah, way overdrafted. He shouldn't even have been a first-round pick in my, my opinion. I mean, he's the ACC quarterback because he went to Duke. I mean, come on, man. Duke's not a sitting basketball, the sitting March Madness. We're talking football. So I, I was never picked big on Danny Dimes, but Danny Dimes just looks lost out on the field to me. He looks like a deer in the headlights look all the time. He doesn't know what's going on. He's a turnover machine. I really don't see him make that many splash throws where you look at it and say, all right, the kid's showing me a little something. So, yeah, I think Danny Dimes was just a horrible reach, and I think that that will end in New York after they, they might – they're going to roll with them the whole year this year because they don't have any backup that could – cement him and take his spot um but he he'll probably roll this year and he maybe get a year next year but you're right if they're a number one number two overall pick and and i believe they will have the number two overall pick i think the jets that dumpster fire in new york jets is going to be the first pick and i think the giants are going to have the second they're going to take a quarterback with that pick and and danny dimes era is going to be over quickly so it's kind of weird man i was telling a friend of mine all these first-round picks have been hit over the last, like, three years, really, when you look at it. Like, you know, golf was a hit. You know, uh, Kyler Murray's been a hit. It seems like Joe Burrow's got something there. Herbert's got something there. A lot of these quarterbacks, young guys, have been kind of a hit, except for the two in the NFC East, uh, the Washington and New York pick. So, hey, as a Cowboys fan, I'll take it. But, yeah, I think it's time that, that these quarterbacks, you know, I think that these organizations are going to have to go in a different direction from these guys. And let's be honest, Jason Garrett's not going to do anything in any way to help Joe Judge because I, I feel he's going to do the same thing to Joe yep. Judge that he did to uh, Wade Phillips and kind of and backdoor his way to the coach, coaching job. I really think that the Giants will take a hard look because the Giants wanted Garrett, but for whatever reason, he thought he could hang around in Dallas. And I, 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 I'll tell you, I don't see – what would be stopping them to move off of Joe Judge next year? I'm serious. That, that whole Garrett. situation in New York is just terrible. I knew bringing Jason Garrett in was going to be just just not a good situation. I mean, as, as a first-year coach, I understand you want to bring in a guy, you know, to help you. He's got some head coaching experience, but not that guy. Not that guy. Not, not a guy, guy who just came <laughs> off for 12 years as a head coach in the league, in your division, who wants to be back as a head coach, who really didn't have, doesn't have any ties to the Giants organization. So he really doesn't care about, you know, the organization or anything of that nature. So, yeah, I thought it was just a terrible pick. I, I thought they would have been better to bring a, a real big, a veteran in who has some head coaching experience, like maybe a Greg Williams or something like that to help him. But Jason Garrett was not going to be the guy. So, yeah, I expect that to end in just – catastrophe for the Giants um, but dude nothing's worse than that dumpster fire there in New York with the Jets I, I just want to talk about this just for a second because I don't want to spend any time, much time on the awful Jets but dude Thursday night they got a third string quarterback playing for Denver Mark Rippon's you know nephew uh, Boise State quarterback undrafted free agent and you go out there and lose to that guy I mean how bad can are the Jets uh, Sam Darnold I almost feel bad for <laughs> Sam Darnold because from what I saw, he made a couple nice throws. Adam Gase is terrible, man. That's all. Adam Gase is just—he's awful. He is hanging a whole career for like a couple years in Denver, and now he's been a head coach, you know, in a couple different stops. So he just is awful. They need—if I was the owner of the Jets, 
Adam Gase like today. I would have done it yesterday on the way home. And that, that, <laughs> that he has just destroyed Sam Darnold. There's no going back. Darnold's gonna have to go to a different team next year because the Jets ain't. It's not gonna be the spot for him. Um, and obviously, I think they're gonna have the number one overall pick. Uh, Mike Green. He said yesterday. He said he told Trevor Lawrence. If the Jets have the number one overall pick, stay in college for one more year. Don't go to that team. And Greeny's a Greeny's a Jets fan, so you know that hurt us. <laughs> Dude, I wouldn't feel. I mean, I would almost feel the same way. Like unless the Jets bring in Eric Bellamy, which is what they should have done last year. I cannot believe Bellamy didn't get a head coaching job last year, the OC for the Chiefs. Unless they're going to bring Eric Bellamy in, they yeah, I would go to that organization at all because that is just that just has bad news written all over it. Yeah, man, I um, I'm hearing also that uh, the Steelers really like Sam Darnold, so that that would be something that they could pick. I still think Sam's a great quarterback, and um, I just think yeah, when you're in a terrible organization, no support on the field and off the field, there is no way. Yeah, to be and able to it's you the know? same with the you know I'd like I know he's played terrible, and now he's like a practice squad quarterback, but I like to see Josh Rosen get a fair shakeout too because Josh Rosen. You know, he had that time in Arizona, one year as a rookie, kind of stepped in, was in a rough situation, and then was in just a, a horrible Miami team last year that he was in. So he never, he hasn't really had any time to learn an offense or do any of that stuff. Uh, I believe Rosen's with the Bucks now. Is that correct? I think somebody. I want to say. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah he's, he's back learning. Tom. Yeah, yeah. Well, back up Tom and Jameis. I don't even think. He's stressing right now because Jameis is the – or no, Jameis is in the Saints. I'm sorry. So, yeah, Rose is the backup for, for the Bucks. So, yeah, maybe he'll be the quarterback of the future there. But I feel bad for Rosen and uh, Rosen and Darnold because they were in rough situations and they just – their careers might – I mean, it, it, that just ruins these young quarterbacks, man. They get pocket. They're used to just getting creamed and sometimes it'll run them. So, interesting to see where they go go from there. Talk about Rosen. The Rosen is in the ultimate spot. So he, he I, I think he's yep. twenty three. I think he's twenty three. So his story is pretty interesting. His family is well, 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 well off. So uh, I think his family's net worth is like one hundred fifty million plus. So he, I, he, 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 he yeah. So he's good. Away. He's good no matter what. No matter what happens, he'll be all right. He'll be all right. He's good no matter what. Absolutely, man. So yeah, it, it's crazy, man. I, I'll tell you what, man. We, you know, we just. Uh, one more point I want to make. Cam Newton, man, with the Patriots. I'm telling you, man. I know everybody's penciled the Chiefs and the Ravens into the uh, AFC Championship game, but you know the stuff that I'm hearing out of New England with how. Uh, Josh is uh, Josh is just enamored with Cam. Bill is also. I'm telling you, man, watch out for the Patriots. I'm saying it right now. I'm go- I'm going on record right now. That is my dark horse to get to the AFC Championship. No, yeah, I I am right there with you, man. I really love every. I knew that was going to be a match made heaven when that happened. Uh, when fell on Bill Belichick's lap because nobody really wanted Cam. He didn't get signed until so late. Um, so yep. Cam is really having a career resurgence. He looks healthy. He looks like a – I don't want to say he looks like the old version of Cam Newton because he doesn't. He looks like a re – like a, a, a 
version of Cam Newton because he's a little more slimmer now. He moves better. He runs better. He doesn't look beat up. Yep. He still has that physical style, but it's you know, a little quicker because I believe he lost a little bit of weight. So I really enjoy you know watching this Cam Newton. They got a game against the Chiefs tomorrow that's going to be a barn burner. I'm really looking forward to watching that game. So we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I would not be shocked. And, and I think, you know, if you're some franchises, you know, Cam Newton's going to be the year. And obviously the Patriots are going to be the number one team to try to get him. But at the same time, the Patriots don't love throwing $30 million out of the quarterback. So I wouldn't be shocked if Cam Newton goes somewhere else next right. year with, you know, one year to reinvent himself and then he goes somewhere else. I'm telling you, next year you're going to have – you got Cam Newton, you got Jameis Winston sitting in the wings. Jameis, if, if Breeze retires, Jameis is not going to take another year of being a backup. So you got some pretty solid – um, so that's what like, we're talking about Carson Wentz, you know, potentially maybe even being out there as well. Team co- Teams that are good teams but are acquisition, I'm talking about especially like – from what I've seen from Jimmy G since that Super Bowl meltdown, man, I would be scared if I'm Jimmy G because I think if you're the Niners and you bring in Cam Newton into San Francisco, I mean, I, that's a Super Bowl team right there to me. I mean, that's a team that can easily win the Super Bowl. So I think the offseason this year, free agency, is going to be really, really interesting when it comes to the quarterback position. Is that that's uh, the Sunday night game tomorrow night? I think right? it's a four thirty. No, because Sunday night's Philadelphia and uh, Philly and the Niners are the Sunday night deal. Okay, okay. So, so it's so, so yeah. wow, man. Talk yep. about the smartest board of sports, man. That that's gonna be. I, I'm I'm watching that game because I really don't, don't get me wrong. I have respect for Mahomes and kind of what he's done, but Mahomes is kind of smug, and I just want that Patriot. The Patriots, that young defense is coming along, man. And I, 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 I just, I want Cam. And to get I think it, tomorrow, it, it is the perfect game, perfect game in the NFL. To I could definitely see an upset tomorrow. Uh, the Chiefs big win Monday night. Seems like when that happens, a lot of times the team that gets a big win on that big mid mid year rivalry type of type of deal, they'll come the next game and they play quite as good. Well, if you know you have a little bit of a hangover, you're feeling yourself a little bit from the Ravens, and then now all of a sudden you gotta play New England and a Bill Belich you know, that's definitely a recipe for an upset tomorrow. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that. Cowboys and Browns at 1. You got the Chiefs and the and the Pats at 430. And then, you know, the Sunday night game, the Niners and Philly. So, yeah, we've got a great deal tomorrow. And like I said, I ain't watching. I'm not watching that NBA just trash JV varsity scrimmage tomorrow. I don't even want to talk about that being on the sports agenda. I'm, I'm not watching a minute of that. So, it's all NFL tomorrow. <laughs> hey man, yeah, we, also we got, got Talladega. Talladega. Definitely got to talk about Talladega. Um, so look, man. So um, yes, last week, kind of the first week there of the of the second round of the chase, Las Vegas. I got to be honest. I'll start here, dude. I was like heartbroken last week. So my boy, my boy, Maddie D gets up there, got the lead with like twenty seven to go, and Kurt Busch just had an amazing restart. Got the lead, and Matt just could never get it back. Ended up finishing second. Man, I was hoping Matt could pull that win off so bad last week. But I was happy for the Outlaws as well. 
But, man, I really needed that win, win from Matt. There's no shame in losing to Kurt. He's one of the greatest, you know, one of the, probably the top ten drivers of the modern era. So there's no 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 shame in losing to that guy, but it definitely hurt me. Um, it's going to be an interesting race tomorrow, though. You've got some guys who didn't have very good runs last week at Las Vegas. Uh, Joey Logano didn't have a very good run. Clint Boyer didn't have a very good run. You know, Chase actually didn't end it up kind of in the mid-20s. I'm not, I don't know what the hell happened to Chase because he was up there in the top five all race, and then he just dropped like a rock at the end. Um, so this guy's got to have a pretty good run next week for Talladega or tomorrow for Talladega because he's got the Roval sitting next week at a cutoff race. So it's going to be kind of interesting. You don't want to get eliminated right now, obviously. And then you got you got Talladega and the Roval as your two weeks after this a lot of people thought kurt bush would have been one of the guys that was going to get eliminated he's good to the next round with his win last week so tomorrow's going to be kind of crazy because you, you know talladega is always crazy but if you're one of those playoff guys you got to have a good finish because you do not want to put all your eggs in that unknown that's the roval next week Hey man, I um, I yeah, I I didn't want to jinx you. I was like, man, his boy might get this win. But if you if you if, if Matty D had won, you would have been crying your <laughs> eyes out, man. We would have had to do Facetime because you would have been. Yeah, crying. I was pacing, I man. It was a tough night. Man, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but man, you're right. You know, I'm, man, Chase is not going to win no damn championship, man. He just. That team, man, they golly, never mind. They're 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 ten to the good, and they're gonna have to watch it in Talladega. They're only like saving grace, I think, to get to the next round. If they survive uh, Talladega, I think they'll just run well at the Roval, possibly win because he's been so dominant on road courses. But uh, man, it, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. You got Chase that's plus ten to the good, Bowman plus nine. Logano plus eleven and Truex plus fifteen. Uh, so so it's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy race. Kyle Busch is gonna have to watch it too because he's nine. You know he's actually nine under the cut line, and then Boyer's twenty under the cut line. So yeah, it's gonna be pretty interesting. Yeah, Talladega. Talladega is, right? I mean, yeah, somebody like a. You know, Austin Dillon, who had a horrible race at Las Vegas as well, he goes out and steals a win at Talladega. And now all of a sudden, where does that push, you know, some of these guys who are barely above the cut line? And, you know, you, know, you could have, yep. you, could, you know, even Chase, those guys could be in trouble. If, if, you know, a surprise winner and they don't have a good run tomorrow, they get caught up in early wreck or something. Yeah, really, really interesting race. Um, I think it's going to be pretty calm until the stage ends. I think the all these guys who are in that playoff, they got to try to get stage points. So look for the ends of the stages to just be chaos. And I wouldn't be – we haven't seen this yet, and I've been waiting for this since stage racing come in, is I feel like sometimes these guys get crazy going for these stage wins and somebody's going to slip up and there's going to be a big wreck here coming to the end of a stage. So look for that to potentially happen tomorrow. If that happens, man, you might – Board and just throw it up in the air because it's going to be all reshuffled. Um, but, you know, if I got to pick a winner just for strictly Talladega, and then I do want to get your thoughts on Chad Knauss here after we do some Talladega real quick. Um, I'm going to say Joey Logano. He's going to be my pick for Talladega. You know, he's right above the cut line. Uh, but I, I like Pen- – here's why I like Penske tomorrow. Penske's going to have Blaney and and basically Matty D who doesn't – you know, not that they don't care about winning, but their job 
get Brad and Joey into the next round of the playoffs. So push those guys. Hendricks not quite going to be in that situation because Hendricks got, you know, Alex is for his playoff life. Chase is still fighting for his playoff life. Yeah, they got Willie B and they got Johnson, but I just don't know how much they're going to be able to help those guys. And then and then Stuart Haas, their playoff driver still except for Cole Custer. So they're not going to be a lot of allegiance with those guys because they're kind of all out to win it for themselves. So I just think how strong Penn's the, the restricted plate program, and I think they're going to have some team orders to, hey, get Joey or get Brad this win. So I think Joey's a little bit better plate racer than Brad is, so I'm going to take Joey to win tomorrow. Yeah, I, I, I was going to go with Brad. Um, you know, Brad has a pretty good history there in, in Talladega, and I also agree with what you said. They're going to put all those resources into getting them to go. Hey, real quick, I'm hearing that – uh, Chad could possibly crew chief Jimmy's last. Yes, race I am hearing that. Uh, hearing that. That is a rumor as well. That to be honest, I mean Chad's not going to be back for Willie B next year, and obviously Johnson is gonna, not going to be there. So why not put those guys back together and let them? I'd be all for that. That would be pretty cool. I mean, it would just it's it just a fit a match made in heaven. They have so much history together. I would love that. Um, so, yeah, and I think it would be an awesome decision. I wanted to keep, kind of get your take on Chad, though, with Chad getting that competition director role at Hendrick Motorsports, stepping away from crew chief. And, uh, you know, what do you kind of think? What do you think that does to the Hendrick organization? And, you know, do they try to bring in a big crew chief, big name crew chief to crew chief William Byron or whoever's going to get the Sporty 8 ride? I, you know, I like the move. I just think it's time. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you know how Bill Belichick said you don't want to stay a year too late. You want to get out a year early. I felt like Chad should have. I, I felt like once Jimmy, once they split them up, I felt like Chad should have went on. And, and so I like that move. Um, I think for Willie B, I think he needs to go the route of like what all these new crew chiefs are doing. Yep. You kind of need a scientist now, you know? And uh, so I think he should get, you know, because I think Byron is talented. I just think he needs to get somebody in there that's kind of up with these up-and-coming new crew chiefs, man. So that's that's the route I think they should go. And I think the same thing for Chase, too. I think they need to take Gustafson and find another role for him and get Chase a crew chief like that, too. Yeah, not, and, and if you kind of look at the history of Hendrick Motorsports, they're a big promote from within organization. They very rarely bring a guy from outside the organization in. So I would expect the new crew chief of William Byron to potentially be somebody who's like an engineer, maybe on one of the junior motorsports cars in the Xfinity series or some, or maybe even the crew chief. Um, one guy that I'm hearing is uh, the crew chief – Number eight car in Xfinity, they have a bunch of different drivers. Taylor Moyer, he's a young guy, and the eight car pretty much always runs good. Jeb Burton gets good runs in it. Daniel Hemrick, pretty much always up front. It wouldn't be shocked to see him slide over and get a cup crew chief job next year. Um, and, and then, you know, to piggyback off of that as well, everything I indicates to me that Kyle Larson is going to be at Hendrick next year. That's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that Bowman is to move over to the 48 with the Alley sponsorship because that's what Alley wants. They want Bowman to be the predecessor to Jimmy. So Alley likes the 48, iconic 48 number. So I'm hearing Bowman's going to move to that ride. And I, I'm hearing that Kyle Larson is going to be in the 88 next year. Um, 
So what is your thoughts on that? That's kind of what we thought before the year started, you know, before all the controversy with Larson and all that. We kind of thought he might end up with Hendrick Motorsports. But right now, that's kind of what I'm hearing as as being, I'm not going to say the ink's on paper, but I'm hearing it's pretty close. I like the move. Uh, I, I Just like I said, I felt he made a mistake. I felt it wasn't malicious. And uh, the guys is too talented not to be, you know, in the uh, Cup Series. And I'm glad he will be with a team like Hendrick, who has all the, you know, everything to be able to put him in great equipment. Because he's <laughs> killing the dirt tracks. I know they want him gone. <laughs> so, so yeah, man. So, no, that's good, man. I'm, I'm happy for him. And, and, and I like that, uh, you know, AB will be switching to the 48. I like that, man, overall. And, uh but but the only thing is, uh, at that point, Chase will be the uh, the senior driver per se, even though he's a young guy. And I I just I dude, I'm just need more from Chase, man. Really do. Yeah, I mean, more Chase. You know, I, we said it right when we did our first podcast way back in January. You know, Chase is a flagship driver, not for just Hendrick Motorsports, but for NASCAR. You know, everybody knows who Chase Elliott is. Everybody knows who his dad is. He's the most popular driver in NASCAR. It's not even close. He is. So we gotta. I gotta see Chase Elliott and Victory Lane more often. So I hate to call guys out, but you know, Chase had a good. Was doing good at the beginning of the year, and then he just fizzled out. We text about it all the time. How many times does Chase start off the the race leading the race or in the top three, and then all of a sudden mid to mid, you know, seventy five percent of the race, you look down and he's running like thirteenth or fourteenth place. It happens all the time, and I don't know if it's more of a Gustafson thing or a Chase thing or just a bad combination. But yeah, man, we need more from Chase Elliott. I, I, we really need Chase to be like what Harvick and Hamlin are doing right now. We need Chase to get to that that level. He's got to be winning six, seven races a year and contender for championships. I mean, Chase has never – has Chase ever been in the Final Four at, at the end? I don't believe he has. We need him to get to that level. Yeah, this uh, guy on my job calls him the millennial <laughs> Gen Z Dale Jr. Yeah. Seriously. Seriously, man. They, did, they just don't see him having that it factor, that drive, that hunger. To get over the yeah, to get over the I top think he's and, a little want to be great. You know, I think he's Seriously. a little bit better, you know, in his career now than what Dale Jr. was. You know, Dale Jr. really he was really good early with DEI, and then he really struggled down the stretch. I don't see that quite from Chase yet because he's still winning. You know, what three, four races a year? I just look at him as that up. Look at him as like a round of eight guy right now. Like Chase is going to be he's one of the eight best guys out there. If I'm picking eight guys, I'm picking Chase in my top eight. But if I'm picking four. Right in my four, he's just not. I mean, he's not Harvick, he's not Hamlin, he's not Logano, he's not Brad, he's just not those guys right now. And and he's got to get to that level. And, and you know, I, there for a while we were hearing, well, Hendrick Motorsports as a whole is down. And I don't want to hear any of that smoke, to be honest, because Rick Hendrick puts so much money into that organization. They get the best resources in those Hendrick Motorsports cars. So I don't want to hear any of that baloney about, you know, Hendrick being down. Hendrick should never be down. There's too many good people there. They got too much money, too much resources. So, yeah, I don't want to hear any of that. Um, What do you think about that engine deal here? I know we're running a little long here. We got to get off here, but. What do you think about that engine deal with Hendrick, uh, with them and 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 Childress kind of sharing sharing engines now going forward? What do you think about that? 
I'll tell you the first thing yep. that I think about it is money's very, very tight. Money is so tight right now due to just the pandemic and everything. And, and uh, so, so I, I, I like it. I mean, if it, if it means that they're going to keep them, you know, uh, keep them in the hunt because I feel like Toyota and Ford definitely have an advantage. And uh in terms of more resources, things of that nature, quality of equipment and teams. So I like it, but it just, because, you know, Childress and Hendrick, for whatever reason, was kind of natural rivalry in the Chevrolet uh, camp. And, uh, but, but hey, man, just showed you that money's tight. Yeah, that, and, and they got to do what they got to do. These other manufacturers like. have been doing this for years, man. I mean, he, he, Hendrick, uh, Roush, and Yates yep, yep. did Ford, you know, years ago. They did the Roush Yates horsepower. And if you drive a Ford, it doesn't matter if you're in a Penske Ford, a Wood Brothers Ford, a Roush Ford, you know, you're driving a, a Roush Yates horsepower. That's pretty much what all the Fords use. Uh, Toyota, if you drive a Toyota, you're driving a, a TRD. You got a TRD engine. That's what you got. So, I think it's time for, for Chevrolet. Chevrolet's got, if you think about it, they've got more teams really than anybody. They've got the Hendrick team, which is, you know, really good. They've got a, a second level children's team there, you know, so they got a couple layers. I would say, you know, their second level team is better than Ford's second level team, which would be we Roush. Obviously Ford's got two big teams, I guess you would say with Penske and Stuart Haas, but Chevrolet, Childress and Hendrick need to work together as them being the, the banner of Chevrolet and them being the Chevy guys. And yep. then even, you know, adding on, you know, the 43 team there of RPM and adding on, I believe, uh, Brad Darty, JTG, they run Chevrolets as well. They need to get Chevrolet needs to all work together. They need to be in one banner and kind of figure this thing out because right now, you know, Fords and Toyotas are just, just spanking them as a whole. So yeah, it's about time got to work together. Obviously the cost saving is, is important too, but they got to work together and get this thing done. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Hey, before we get off, I just want to talk a little baseball. We got the divisional, uh, divisional uh, game starting up next week. I'll tell you right now, you got San Diego versus the Dodgers, and then you got the Miami Marlins versus the Atlanta Braves. For the Dodgers, I will say this. The Dodgers better hope and pray that the Atlanta Braves beat the Miami Marlins because if the Miami Marlins play L.A., it'll be so much pressure on the Dodgers again. I think the, yep, the I actually agree. I 100%. Really I think the Marlins are going to beat the Braves. I have them winning that Braves series in like four games, honestly. The Marlins are hot right now. Derek Jeter. Man, earlier in the yep. year, this was like you know two weeks after the bubble deal, uh, baseball started back up. Miami had their outbreak for COVID, and they played the Orioles. You know, I'm a huge Orioles fan, and we got swept in four games by the Marlins. But I'm watching these games, and I'm looking at the squad, and I'm like, this squad's not bad that the Marlins have. Like, they've got some pretty good hitting, and their, their pitching wasn't great, yep. but they have a really solid lineup. And their pitching's kind of come together down the stretch here. So, yeah, I think the Dodgers are prone to just blow it. And when I think of the Dodgers, I think of just blowing it. So, and, exactly. and I hate to say it, but when I think of blowing yep. it in the Dodgers, the first person that comes to mind is Clayton Kershaw because he is Mr. Blowing It when it comes to the playoffs. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think that the Marlins have a really good shot to win the NL. Right now, they're kind of my pick to win the NL. I believe the Marlins are going to win the National League. I believe the Yankees are going to win the American League. I think the Yankees are just too strong. They're going to blow through these guys. 
and, and get to the World Series, I think, relatively at ease. They've just got just too much star power pitching and hitting. Uh, they got the best pitcher in the game, Garrett Cole, and they just got, you know, just unbelievable hitting as well. So I think it's going to be the Marlins and the Yankees is what I'm looking at in the World Series. I think if it comes down to that, I think the Yankees will just overmatch the uh, – We'll just overmatch the Marlins and we'll be able to win a World Series. But, and I'll tell you, this is kind of what my thinking is here. Why does it always come back to this for me? Because, God, all I can, all I just want a Super Bowl so bad in Dallas. But this is how my mind's thinking. I'm like, all right, so the Lakers are going to win the NBA championship. The Yankees are going to win the MLB championship. So the two most popular franchises are going to the, the most popular in baseball, the most popular in basketball. So now it just makes sense that the Cowboys win the Super Bowl, right? And we just we just roll with the big three here in 2020. That's kind of where my, my mind's going. Oh, that's that's crazy, man. That's crazy. I, I disagree with you. I think it's going to be the Miami Marlins. Versus the Tampa Bay Rays, the reason being Tampa Bay is on the Yankees this year. I just, I, I think it's going to be Miami versus Tampa Bay, and I, I'm going out on a shocker. Yeah, the Miami Marlins. That is a shocker. I think they're going to get there. I think they're going to get there. I just think they're they're just too young of a squad <laughs> to win it. But I'll tell you one thing, man. I've learned in my life as an Orioles fan to never bet against this guy named Derek Jeter. The only thing that this guy named Derek Jeter is invested in seems to exactly. always Exactly. So with him kind of being the, the main baseball personnel guy, and, man, that would be a hell of a storyline, Miami and, and the Yankees, by the way, because you got Jeter kind of kind of as the helm there and the ownership in Miami playing against the Yankees would be kind of crazy. But So I'm not saying your pick is totally, you know, I could definitely see it happening because of Derek Jeter. But we'll see. It's going to be a World Series is going to be fun. It's going to be a, a fun stretch here in the next few weeks for baseball. Jeter is a boss, man. He's just he's he's one of the, he's one of my one of my favorites, man. But look, this has been great, man. We I think we touched everything. It's always great to do the whip around, man. Good to talk All right. To you. Yeah, sounds good. Have and a great rest uh, like of your I say, weekend, we need to win tomorrow. So let's go. Uh, Cowboys, any Cowboys out there? We need 100% tomorrow. We need a win. All right, man. You too. Absolutely. You know, we'll be texting.